I can see you now. If, if you can say that, that, that you see God, the eternal God, the almighty God, as the God God is, because you've seen Jesus, I, I think you'll see God in a whole new light. It's richer. It's approachable. It's personal. And that's our hope this morning, that this 2015, as we talk about the love revolution, um, the love revolution that Jesus came to bring us, that uh, we'll walk deeper and deeper, first of all, in a love for God, that that will be reunited and strengthened, and new momentum will be found in that. Just like the, the little desktop uh, toy that I brought in last week, you know, the, the, the swing of our love that we feel from God empowers our love for others. And that kind of rhythm in our life is what grows our resilience and what grows our power and what grows our witness in this world. So we're starting not with loving others. We'll get to that. And not with how God can uh, shape our relationships to be the best they can possibly. That's coming. That's February. We're getting to Valentine's, you realize. Uh, but, but now we're starting at the beginning. At that place that is love's core and love's fountain. And uh, that is loving God. And having a relationship with him in which we, we come to love him as Jesus told us to. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then to love others as ourselves. So do you remember the table we finished at last week? The, the, that table that... Uh, God knocks at the door just outside, and if we hear his voice and open the door, and we said what opens the door is simply prayer. Now, not, not some kind of formulized, difficult, do this perfect prayer, just the call of a heart to God. Abba, Daddy, Jesus, teach us how to pray. We, we see you going away to being with the Lord and coming back with all kinds of resilience and power and love and passion for others from that. Teach us, they never asked him anything else to teach them. They, they didn't ask him to teach them how to heal. They, they didn't ask him to uh, teach him, them how to preach or how to speak. Uh, they only asked him this one lesson. Lord, teach us how to pray. There was something in that that they saw as exciting, as the core of the issue. And Jesus said, when you pray... Pray like this. Our Abba, who art in heaven. Daddy. Daddy. That's where it starts. With the heart's cry of a confident child to an attentive Abba. Uh, that's where this starts. And then Jesus says, And he who hears my voice and, and who opens the door... I will come into him like, like we're the house, right? I will come into him and uh, he will dine with me and I will dine with him. And, and we kind of paused there this last week at, at that scene. We're going to be freer to pray. We're going to open ourselves up to that kind of just a cry away fellowship to God in 2015. We're going to enrich our lives moment by moment intentionally and spontaneously in every way we can by just crying out to our Papa and knowing He's already there. He's been waiting on us to come in and fellowship with us. 
You know, I think, I think it makes a difference, doesn't it? How many times have we prayed the prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Help me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what's next, isn't it? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I, I don't know what comes to your mind when you get to that point of thy kingdom come. You know, it may be appropriately that that, that that is an otherness breaking into our lives. That this is asking the God of heaven that, that His will might be worked out in our lives. But listen, most of the times, I think most of us, when we pray that part, we get there, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, we think, woof, blank check. What does this inattentive deity want for me? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We get there as soon as we can. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Oh, what if that means I'm called to something that's beyond me? You know what I'm saying? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We run right past that sometimes as if what is the mysterious stuff that God would have to break into my life if I really prayed that prayer honestly? And we forget where we started the prayer. Daddy? You can trust this heart. His design is for your wholeness. To give you a future with a hope. Not for calamity. The prophets of old foretold it. Jesus demonstrated it. Over and over again, He proved that He was not some God that was disinterested in our lives, whose plans for us were somehow completely irrelevant to the desires He had already woven into who we are. No, this is our Papa. See, Now that doesn't mean that our Papa is just a benign, uh, stupid old man who hands out his money and just hopes at the end of the day that everybody had a good time. He loves us much more than that. He, he is our Papa. He's attentive. And it's amazing to me how often uh, that kind of attentiveness is just what I need. What happens after that walk through the door? What happens when you sit down at that table? What happens then? Right after our daddy and the greeting, Jesus says, Thy kingdom come. Isn't that good? It starts with what he has to give us. As we give ourselves to the one who delights in us. You with me? Thy kingdom come. It would almost seem presumptuous, but Jesus actually teaches us when you're in the presence of the king, ask for the kingdom. It doesn't get any better than that. When you're in the presence of the king, ask for the kingdom. Life sometimes just seems like a parade that's passing by. Last week we talked briefly about those blind boys in, in Jericho. As Jesus was passing by, his, his ministry had grown to the place with 
the way he was working in the community, he was like a rock star, man. A huge crowd was following him through Jericho. And he was just on his way to Jerusalem there to be crucified and, oh, save all humanity. You know, pretty big things on his calendar that, that were coming up. Uh, th- this was a tour to end, a tour de force of, of, of all tours. And, and yet as he's walking through Jericho, th- there's a few over there in the corner that the crowd is passing by. And that may be exactly what you feel like from time to time. Uh, everyone else's life is going great, and they're just moving on. But, but here I am and stuck in this. Here, here I am in, in my brokenness. Here are these two guys on the side, two blind guys. Their faith's probably leathered from the sun. Their spirit's probably callous. From the crowd ignoring them. And yet they've heard about Jesus. And so as the crowd rumble starts to build and they find out who is passing by, as he passes by, they know not exactly where. They start crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on us. Right? And Jesus stopped in his tracks. What had stopped him? Can I suggest to you, it was just a simple prayer from one of his kids. It was those two blind guys in Jericho saying, Papa! And Jesus turned and he invited them to himself. And the first words out of his mouth were simply, What do you want me to do for you? And as if it needed explanation, nevertheless they gave it words. Lord, our our sight, open our eyes that we might see. And immediately, they received their sight. There was no cajoling. There was no bargaining. Listen, when you're in the presence of the king, ask for the kingdom. And Luke tells us that it is the delight of God to give his kingdom to his kids. (laughs) Luke 11 somewhere. You need to look it up later if you doubt that. It seems to me that as broken and normal human people, as children of the fall, that we are people who are, are almost by definition, life has, life has broken us in ways. And, be, and because hurt people hurt people, we, as hurt people, have probably contributed to the hurting of others, sometimes without even realizing it, sometimes just repeating the same cycle, sometimes just in our woundedness, striking out at another. So when God comes in to sup with us, I think most of us have that need up front. We are broken and we need healing. We've contributed to brokenness and we need forgiving. I don't know of the needs as they get any more basic than that. But I want to talk this morning, excuse me, about all kinds of healing. Not just the healing that's ours that we need emotionally, the healing that we need relationally, the healing that we need physically. First Thessalonians will make it very clear, as Paul says, to pray this blessing over his brothers that, that they would he, be healed not only and preserved, complete, not only with their spirit, but also with their soul and even with their bodies until Christ comes and finally glor- glorifies them 
God's will for us is wholeness. And sometimes we live with brokenness so long, it's hard for us to keep believing in that. Sometimes his, his healing comes immediately. Sometimes it's not so immediate. But the cry of our hearts when we're in the presence of the King, the welcomed cry he hears is, heal me. There was the woman with the issue of, of blood. Do you remember her? She had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. Her story is told in Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. She sneaks up behind him. Jesus is in the crowd. Others are pressing in around them. Many are getting healed, but for some reason, this woman has been led to believe that, that, that she won't be healed or that she's not worthy to be healed. There's that issue of bleeding and how that, that, that would have made her in society someone who would have needed to have cried out unclean to a crowd so they would have known, so they would have kept their distance both ceremonially and in other ways. But she approaches Jesus. She, she wants to get near Jesus, and she knows Jesus is always going to be with people. So she decides she'll just sneak up. She's watched the power of God work through Jesus' life, and she's so certain of that that she thinks if she can just touch the hem of his garment, that she too will be healed. And so stealthily, she sneaks up. Some of us are still wondering if we're really welcome in God's presence. If he would really, like a daddy, pull us up in his lap and embrace us, or would his response to us be a stern folding of the arms and prove yourself to me? Listen, she, she thought she was sneaking up on Jesus, but when she touched the hem of his garment and the healing flowed from him and into her, now think about that. She didn't ask for healing. She didn't even cry out, Abba, but just in her heart, she was reaching out to God, and God saw it. God noticed. God moved immediately and started healing her in that moment. And Jesus said, Oof, what was that that just went through me? And, 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 and he turned and he looked, at, he looked upon the woman as if he had to ask the question, who was it, who was it that was touching me? And everybody's, you ever been in one of those, those crowd control kind of crowds where you're bumping into each other and everybody's trying to move along and you're banging your way up towards the escalator or whatever, towards the big game or the big concert or whatever it is. Who touched me? Well, you'd think that person was a nut, wouldn't you? Who didn't touch you, man? We're all in this crowd together. That's what the disciples thought. Who touched you? We've all touched you. You've been touching all of us. We've been getting well. Who touched you? But there was more for this woman than just healing her physically. The scripture says he looked and his eyes found her before she even spoke. She told him the whole story. And she said, he says to her, my daughter, your faith has made you well. Go and be clean. Do you hear that? He's saying, call me daddy. My daughter, you don't have to sneak up on me. My time and my heart is, is always towards you. you. You can crawl up in my lap anytime, anywhere. Uh, behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking already. It's not you, me that's waiting on you. It's, oh, no, it's, the other way around. it's not 
you that's waiting on me, it's me that's waiting on you to open the door. Sometimes when God heals, he, he heals us immediately. He, he heals, like in those stories. So, sometimes at other times, he'll, uh, he'll heal us gradually. And I think sometimes more in the gradual healing than even in the instant healing, we, we need to believe with all our heart that the power is in who it is that we're praying to, not in the power or the eloquence of our own prayers. It's by His stripes that we are healed, not by our eloquence. Sometimes when we've been sick a while, when our brokenness has been something we've carried around or hidden most of our lives, it's that much harder to keep bringing ourselves and bringing it into the presence of the King and asking him for the kingdom. It's hard for us to believe that if he hasn't given it already, then, then maybe his heart isn't willing. Maybe it's reluctant. There was a leper like that. Eventually, I'll get to our scripture this morning. It's in Mark chapter 2. But just before that, Jesus is out in the countryside, and people are coming to him for healing, and another one like that woman sneaks up on him. He, he, he's a leper. Now, he had to cry out unclean, you weren't allowed within 50 feet of a leper according to, to the restrictions of the law. It was, it was meant to be something, I, I assume, that, that kept people away from that kind of contagion. I don't completely understand that. It would be a thousand years or more before anybody even understand what a contagion was. I, I, you know, I, I don't, maybe it was just superstitious. Maybe they just thought, these poor people with body parts falling off, we don't want to be that close to and it seems that that tends to run in families or people who hang out around people. Maybe they get it too. I, I don't know what the fear was at the time. That fear had been regulated. From 50 feet away as a leper, you'd have to cry out, unclean, unclean. Have you ever walked by yourself through a field and noticed birds kind of gathered around? I remember as a kid wanting to get close, you know. See how close I could get before. What, what if those weren't birds? What if those were every person you knew? For years. From 50 feet away. Unclean. This leper wanted his skin healed. But you can, can you imagine how much more in him was broken than his skin? And he approaches Jesus and he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I, I know the rules, but I know you can make it so the rules don't apply. So Jesus, if, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And I think all the birds flew away except for one. It was the one he was talking to. It was Jesus. And instead of going away, Jesus came towards him. And it's the most beautiful thing about that particular story. When that leper asked, Lord, if you're willing. And Jesus says, if I'm willing. If I'm willing. 
Papa. If you've seen me, you've seen your daddy. I'm willing. Be cleansed. But before he said it, he did something that I think rocked that leper's world. Before he said a thing, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus did this. You think he had to use the words? While his body was still riddled with the rot of leprosy, Jesus touched him. Jesus touched him and then said, I'm willing. Be clean. And he was. Do you have the faith to believe this morning that God is who Jesus shows us he is, that he is daddy, that he teaches us in the presence of the king to ask for the kingdom. Heal me. Sometimes it happens immediately. Sometimes it happens gradually. You remember the the bind guy at Bethsaida. He cried out to Jesus and Jesus actually, in stages, seemed to heal him. He took him away from the crowd, first of all, as if to get his attention or to get him out of the chaos. We know not which. And then after uh, anointing his eyes with spittle, I know that sounds gross, but that was kind of a... That was the uh, uh, antibiotic of the day, I guess. That, that, that was the uh, uh, all things... Healed, what do you call that little stuff in the tube with the orange and green on the outside? Neosporin. That was the neosporin of the day, right? They, they believed there were healing properties in spittle, right? I don't know what's in neosporin either, you know. Uh, I just trust it, but, but, but you know, they, G- Jesus put spittle on his eyes. And he said, how's that working? How, can, can you see? And, and, and at first he didn't see very well. Do you remember? He says, I, I see men walking around, but they, but, but they seem to be like trees. How did he know he was a blind man? That amazes me. You know, they seem to be, I don't know what he meant by that. Maybe they were just these kind of, he felt the tree trunks. Uh, they, they just look like blobs. Do you think that's what he meant? They, they, they look like trees walking around. And then Jesus lays his hands on him a second time. And he sees clearly. Sometimes it happens gradually. Sometimes it happens a lot more gradually than that. In fact, that's just technically a gradually, if you ask me. Sometimes we're more like Paul, and we have a thorn in the flesh. And we prayed many times that the God, God would take it from us. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to trust you to walk with that and walk with me. For some of us, the healing is in having the strength to bear what ails us, right? For some of us, working out what's broken within us doesn't happen overnight. We wish it would happen with, with, with a touch and with a flash and with a zap. How many addicts have you and I known? How many addicts are we that we haven't wished? God, just take the desire from me. Just just eradicate the compulsion. Just Just... Touch me. 
and make me whole. And so I've known some addicts for which that's exactly what God did. But I've also known others that had to learn what it is to walk with him and disentangle all that got them to that place of compulsion in their lives. To let him walk that healing deeper and deeper and deeper into our lives until he's become a panion in broken places within us that we didn't even know we had, that we had forgotten the origins of. He's our daddy. He wants us whole. Sometimes immediately, sometimes gradually, but friends, ultimately, he gets the last word. Someday when we see him as he is, have you applied this to the way you hurt, the way you struggle? Philippians. Uh, God's electric power. That's Philippians company. Philippians 3. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. (laughs) He's just getting started. Whatever healing you've had, He's just getting started. Because I promise you, my friends, outside of the gates of heaven is a heap of discarded wheelchairs, of discarded insulin pumps, of discarded crutches. There's not a hospital bed that gets through. Because Christ, when He has His full way with the brokenness of our lives, when we become through Christian death and resurrection completely given to Him, He is able to transform, to make conform our lives completely to His will when He makes us as He is and when we become as He is. God always heals His own. Sometimes here, sometimes in the resurrection. Sometimes immediately, sometimes gradually, always ultimately. But healing is the privilege, the ordinary privilege of every child of the King. And if you're one of those children and that healing hasn't come yet, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. And that healing is coming. I wonder if when you're in the presence of the King, do you ask Him again? Are you still asking Him? Lord, heal me. Lord, heal me. Another way that I think we need healing is from the things that we've done to hurt others. Forgive me. And it's interesting, you know, the the Jesus who heals us physically and the Jesus who heals our soul and the Jesus who heals our spirit heals us by exerting the will of the same king, by letting his kingdom break in upon us, by offering us grace for our mishaps. You know, Max Lucado says, above the door of every tattoo parlor 
ought to be the phrase, think before you ink. And then think before you ink. You know, uh, uh, just so you know, I don't know much about tats, but I, I've had a bunch of friends who have had tats, and, and some of them that, that kind of build over the time, because w- what was there at first is not necessarily what they want there now. And, and so, so they build on it, they, they reshape the picture, all that kind of stuff, you know. But in truth, all of us have had moments where we wish we had been thinking before we were inking. Where we said something we wish we could take back and we just can't. Where the destruction is already set and and you know sometimes that ink just doesn't come off so easy. Well, let me ask you this. If your unresolved guilt showed itself not just on the inside, but on the outside with a tattoo. You know, that phrase you wish you had taken back, you know, that, that, that mistake that broke the life and the heart of another, that, that money that you never got repaid, that thing you wish you had said, but now you no longer have the chance to. If, if, if your body on the outside was tattooed with unresolved guilt. How inked up would you be? Jesus is the one that removes the stink of the ink. Behold, he says, I will make you as white as snow, though your sins be as dark as scarlet. I I will make you white as snow. Isaiah said that this suffering servant was not only bruised for our iniquities, but he was also the one that was, uh, uh, who carried our sicknesses. It's, it's both of those things. Do you understand that when we fell from grace in the fall, it's rightly called the fall. Adam and Eve fell into sin, but they also fell away from wholeness. And Jesus is the one who can speak wholeness and healing, not only just over our sicknesses, but over our soul aches, over that guilt that we bear. Do you know right now some of you, because of guilt, cannot be the person that you could be had you never done that thing? It's still plaguing you. You'd speak up for righteousness' sake among your family. But they know your story. And you shrink back. You'd say something at work about the practices of the company recently, but they know what you did 10 years ago. God wants to so release you from your past that you can be the person you can be had that never happened. That's what forgiveness means, to release, to cut the rope. Guilt usually makes us defensive and makes us feel defeated, doesn't it? Two reactions to the same kind of stuff. Defensiveness. We're going to pass ourselves off as innocent so 
that we can shut that off from the past. You know, we, we become defensive. We become a person who cannot make a mistake, a person who cannot be wrong, a person who at least cannot be shown that they're wrong because then all the weight of that guilt starts piling in on us again. And so we become the righteous Nazi. Or maybe we just become defeated. We didn't make a mistake. We are a mistake. I'd like to challenge you this morning. In the presence of your king, to let him wash that away and redefine you. Not as defeated, but as his daughter. conclusion for that message but I don't think that's where God wants this to go if I'm feeling his heart right now he's aching for some of his kids it could be any one of you I think it could be all of you I I think right now, he wants us to just cry out to him. Right now, to hear him knocking at the door and say, Lord God, even though this is a church service, imagine that, allowing you in here. I don't know if you're willing to risk this with me or not, but if you with me can say, Lord Jesus, There's still things in me that are broken. I I know that you've forgiven me and you've released me of guilt, but I forget it way too often. Too often I live as if you have not set me free. Live as if you have not washed me clean. I don't want to be a whitewashed tombstone anymore. I want that cleaning to go deep and release me from the inside out. I, I don't know if you're like that. But I'm standing right now, not because I'm preaching, but because I'm standing as a candidate in that line, crying out to Christ and saying, Lord, don't let the parade go by. Have mercy on me. I don't know what it is, but he does. He knows exactly what's coming up in your heart right now. I trust that he's the one that's surfacing it. And I just want to call out to our daddy on behalf of us all. If there's something like that for which you want healing, something like that for which you want forgiveness, we're in the presence of the king. Would you stand with me and let's together ask for the kingdom?